0: With a closer look at the news and events affecting Prince George. Welcome to After 9
1: on 93.1 CFIS FM. Good morning and welcome. Uh so today is our second day of covering of interviewing the School District 57 by-election candidates for uh the Prince George area. Welcome. Uh, my first guest is Dr. Shannon Freeman from uh well you work at UNBC, but tell me a little bit
2: about yourself. Hi, good morning. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah, so my name is Shannon Freeman, and um, I'm really driven to run for the school trustee position because I believe that every child should be able to experience the joy of learning in a culturally safe and supportive environment. Um, I'm a mother of three um, children, uh, two in elementary school and one of high, in high school, and I just felt a real need to, to stand up and and get involved and try to try to make a difference in our community. So what what, uh, what was the need that you saw? Yeah, so I've been following what's happening um, in the media, and uh, I read the special advisor's report, and a lot of what I read in the media and I read in that report really struck home for me um, with the only experiences that I've had as a parent um, of three children. And, you know, education is so important. I've been an educator for nearly two decades, and I understand um, the passion and the importance and the drive of inspiring, um, and mentoring and leading and, 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 and teaching our children um, as the next generation. And so I just felt, you know, it's really important to to get in there and see how I can help. Okay, all right. So uh, our Friday panelists uh,
1: or my fellow Friday panelists had some questions. And so, um, what do you specifically bring to the table to make things better? Like, what are the skills?
2: Yeah, so I've been an educator for nearly 20 years. Yeah. I've taught at the elementary school level, the junior high school level, the post-secondary university level, and I've even taught um, in adult um, ESL. So I have a good understanding about um, being an educator, and I bring that perspective. I also have sat on a lot of boards. Um, I most recently completed my final term as a director at the Prince George Hospice Society, and I really care about getting involved in supporting our community. Um, so I was a, a board director there for six years. I sit on the provincial provincial boards, national and international boards. I also have a lot of leadership experience managing teams, working collaboratively with um, other people, and also on those teams being a, a team player as well. Um, I've experienced managing big budgets and... Uh, um, trying to prioritize what are the important things when we're trying when we're challenged to do a lot with um, limited financial resources. So I think those are some uh, really important um, experiences that I'll be able to contribute positively to this position. Okay. Um,
1: so one question was, how do you plan to speak to power? And this is in the context of of that. Like school boards are, have increasingly less and less power, and it's not that you don't have any decision-making power, but, but I mean, how will you speak to power? And when you see problems that actually need the provincial government or the Ministry of Education to change, like how do? You, what is your plan there?
2: Yeah, so I think it's important to, um, to to make your position clear. Um, describe the situation that's happening and engage in communicative dialogue. So um, I've spoken to the Minister of Advanced Education. She came up um, just a few weeks ago she was in Prince George and she came up to visit us um, at UNBC and toured my lab there okay. to see what's happening. And you raise the important issues um, that we see and you communicate them clearly. Um, just this week I also spoke to the Minister of um, Mental Health and Addictions where we were in my role as a as the Vice President of the British Columbia Hospice Palliative Care Association, we were advocating for increased investment in grief supports um, to support British Columbians. So I think it's important that you have um, key points that you're trying to communicate and that you're able to defend what's the importance and what's the value in um, having um, these different um, political persons in, in positions of power to invest in to help address um, I uh, identify these uh, these identified needs, okay,
1: all right, so one question, and i wasn 't sure how to phrase it yesterday, and so I sort of mucked up uh, the the question but um, it 's about political correctness and the sense that there's an increasing sense, true or not, um, that people are self censoring and because they don 't want to say something. That will be taken the wrong way. And so often we, I think the intent of the question was like, sometimes we don't even discuss difficult things because we're scared to even address that because we're going to be slammed for saying the wrong thing. And I'm certain that the school board and, and the, the administration is no different. So how do you, how do you, how do you work around that? How do you ensure that the environment is one where people can actually say things without, you know, just being shut down?
2: So I think that this really connects into the issue of transparency. I think we need to be transparent in in um, where we're getting our information from and how we're using that to inform decision-making. So even in this election, there's been a lot of challenges with people with very diverse or polarizing um, opinions and perspectives on really important issues. And I think the first step is um, to recognize the importance of listening. Right? We can, we, we need to listen and understand where are they coming from? What, what, what are the, the important things that they're bringing to the, to the table? And I also think everyone's entitled to their own opinion. Right? Um, and I think we need to, to recognize that. Um, and then as a, as a, a board trustee, we take all of the information that is available to help inform those decision making. So it's not necessarily an I believe that we should do this. It's what does the evidence say? How can we critically um, look at that evidence and then use it together collectively to, to make a decision? I think when we talk about political correctness and sharing our ideas and our opinions, um, I think we need to speak with respect. I think we need to speak with kindness. And I always try to speak from my heart. You know, there are things that are my experiences and my story and I respect that others have their their experiences and their stories. And we need to listen to one another. I think sometimes when we get into these conversations, we're not listening. <laughs> no, we just become <laughs> we we're just yelling. <laughs> right? And we need yeah. to we need to have that, that, that mutual respect for each other to listen to one another to actually be able to engage in dialogue and conversation with each other.
1: Okay. Uh, so, um, the, my last question was, why are you running? But you've already sort of covered that. But the other aspect of that was, would you be running in the fall? If you get elected, will you be running in the fall or would you be running in the fall regardless?
2: Yeah, most definitely. I think it's important that, um, we bring stability, um, to our school board and to our, um, to our trustee positions. I think there's the last few years have been really, really (laughs) difficult, both for the, the school board, um, for our teachers, for our staff, for our students, and for our community. There's been a lot of turnover. We're faced with staff shortages. We're faced with COVID. We're faced with increasing um, challenges um, with, with, with mental health and well-being. Um, so I think that it's important when we think about our school board and decision-making, um, that we think about it in the long term. We think about people who are really going to commit to make a difference and, and there's a lot of challenges that we're facing as a school district and they, they're not overnight easy answers. They're not easy solutions. There are things that we can do in the short term, but we also need to look at more longer term how we can achieve a lot of um, these more more um, difficult difficult things to address so I think there's things we can do in the short term um, mm-hmm. so that this by-election and, and bringing the right people in is really important and then I also think about this position um, in in the long term um, we need to build a team you know we need to build a team of people who will work together who will work collaboratively together as trustees Build the relationships with our communities with our with our staff, with our teachers with our students, um, and really um, open those lines of communication
1: okay so uh, just based on your response and just thinking, okay, so right now there's a special advisor sort of uh, lo- overlooking everything. And then there was the findings of that. The previous, I'm not sure what the position was called, but that report that was, came out uh, about systemic racism. And I'm not sure if dysfunction was identified as one thing, but how do you, how do you, so, okay. So as a result of that, we ended up with this by-election because we had two trustees resign. Um and i know that the public a lot of the public is like a lot of people that i talked to were just like a little bit flummoxed like how what so we had two people of color resign and and the was it was and one of them was the chair and it's like okay so what made what made them resign and i know that they've done a few interviews and so we have a little bit of insight but i mean we have an entire senior administration that is still there so how do you plan to it just seems to me that there's something still not set right there. Um, so how how can you, as a board, begin to address the the findings of the of the report um, with the same people that have been there for like a long time? So <laughs> it's a bit of a complex question, but how do you address something like an issue that has been a long, there a long time, obviously and with the existing staff who may or may not be well, you know, they might say they're welcome to change, but you know, haven't yet.
2: So my first question would be what progress has been made on equity, diversity and and inclusion training. That's one of the recommendations and we need to equip people with the tools and the, and the resources to be able to, to champion that change. So that would be my first question. What progress has been made? Um, Because we don't know, As a, as a, as a community citizen, I don't know what they've actually done. There, there's a, there's a lack of transparency and communication to the community about what those actions that have, have, have been taken. So my first thing would be to ask about that. Um, and I think that's something that we can do. Um, we can, we can have that training. We can open those, those conversations and that dialogue. The other thing that really stuck to me about that report is this, this, this this fear that exists. This fear to speak up. Mm-hmm. Um, this fear that if I do speak up, I'll be I'll be penalized. This fear that um, if I do speak up, others won't listen. And I think we need to address that. Um, I think it's difficult to speak up. It's difficult to share to share your stories. And we need to create a safe space for our students and for our teachers and for our staff and administrators and all of the people involved in our school communities to be able to safely engage in those conversations with our trustees. Um, in my own personal experience, I, I, that, that was the key thing that stuck out to me. Um, I talk a lot, you know, my, my husband and I talk a lot about, you know, how do we, how do we address these issues we're seeing? Um, because a lot of people are scared, um, they're scared of people attacking them on social media. They're scared of um, people uh, uh, not not understanding or taking the time to listen to them. So I think we need to create that safe space. And I think those are two things that 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 are important to do and feasible and possible to do. We need to open those conversations. We need to open that dialogue um, with our communities and our school trustees.
1: So um as some of my as a few of the guests yesterday the the candidates were mentioning yesterday uh, we've had um gosh we've had an the the superintendent position has been a, a bit of a revol- revolving door and right now we have an interim superintendent um what is going on there and like how do we f- like, there's obviously something not right. Um, so how would you address that?
2: Yeah, I, I think there's a lot of questions that we have, and I don't think we have all of the information. I don't think we have all of the pieces of the puzzle about what's happening. I think transparency and communicating those things to our community is, is, is a big challenge, and we need to know more about what's going on. So some of those tough questions, you know, it's difficult to answer without all of the information in front of us.
1: Hmm. Yeah. So one thing um, that I have sometimes wondered about is is like who? Well, I'll ask it this way: Who do you think is the biggest stakeholder? Who Who is the person or the group of people that you are most answerable to as a trustee?
2: I think that the 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 people we are most answerable is to our to our to our children, to our students, to their families, and to our community a school board is is here to support our students to be the best that they can be and we need to um, equip our our school staff with the tools and resources necessary to be able to support all of our students to be the best that they can be in a culturally safe and supportive environment
1: and when that doesn't happen how do you deal with that
2: well, I th- again, I think we need to open those lines of communication so that we hear when that doesn't happen. Um, on my blog, I've written a lot about busing. That's a huge issue.
1: Oh, it's huge. It's yeah.
2: huge. And I don't understand why it's not being addressed and addressed in a timely manner. We have safety issues on our on our buses. Why are students being told to sit on the floor because there's not enough seats on the bus for them? Where is the action on that? I don't know. And that's one of the biggest questions I would want to find out. Where where is the review of the busing? Why don't we have a a full-size wheelchair accessible bus so that we are inclusive of our students, so that students who, who need some accommodations are able to travel on school activities with their class and not forced to ride on a bus by themselves? Okay. Why are our students, some of them, being asked to walk two, three kilometers in the dark on these rural rural roads um, by themselves? Like, the, these are safety concerns and really important issues. And so, busing is one of the big ones for me, um, where I would start to ask those questions because we don't have all the information. I don't have all the information about how the the, the school board currently is making those decisions. But I would certainly want to find out.
1: Okay. Well, thank you so very much for coming in, uh, Shannon, and I wish you all the best. So um, uh, we will see how you do on Saturday.
2: Yeah, thanks so much. And so just if people are interested to find out more about me, I have a Facebook page at Dr. Shannon Freeman, or you can check me out on my Web page. Um, Dr. Shannon Freeman CA and I've posted lots of these um, things um, so people can get to know more about me and my platform by checking out my my, my, my website and my blog posts there's more information about busing or the importance of innovation um, and and supporting our and supporting our students and and success in our in, in our in our school staff so they can find out all more about me um, either on my Facebook page or on my website so thank oh, you so much
1: thank you all right we'll be back after this break with Brian Brian Trotter.
3: Throughout your life, the
0: information you need to thrive and survive continually changes. Tune in to 93.1 CFIS-FM, Tuesday afternoons at 1 for Senior Moments. Each week, Sharon Heard and AJ will talk with the movers and the shakers in our community to keep you in the loop with the information you need from the people who know it best. Sponsored by Riverbend Manor, Tuesday afternoons at 1 with a rebroadcast, Tuesday nights at 9, Senior Moments, only here on 93.1 CFIS-FM.
4: In Prince George, DDR2 Computer Solutions is your first stop for sales, service, and repairs. Located just off Queensway at 857 Avenue, next to Metachair DDR2 can keep your business or home system running at peak performance. Their in-shop and on-site rates are competitive, so you receive quality service at an affordable price, plus there's a special rate for seniors. They also carry top-of-the-line laptops, motherboards, and graphics cards for high-end gaming. When you think of computers, think of DDR2. Call 236-423-2216. That's 236 Six four two three two
3: two one six. The Q3 Creative Business Hub has a large second-floor office space now available. 1,600 square feet includes four individual offices, a kitchen area, and plenty of open space to use as a common area for collaborating or add more offices. Check out our Google page for photos. To book an appointment to view or for more information, email q3building at gmail.com. Q3 Creative Business Hub, with a large office space now available at the corner of Quebec and 3rd.
4: Forecast from Environment Canada. Morning fog patches then overcast. A 60% chance of wet flurries over northern sections. Wind from the south at 30, gusting to 50, a high of 4. Partly cloudy tonight, gusting south winds continuing on a low of 3. For Saturday mainly sunny, more gusting south winds, a high of 4.
0: You're listening to After Nine on Prince George's Community Station, ninety-three point one CFIS FM.
1: All right, Trudy Clausen here. I am. This is part of the School District fifty-seven by-election special. And sitting with me now, I've got Brian Trotter. Brian, welcome. Thank you. Good morning. So, Brian, um, uh, I'm going to ask you a little bit about yourself and um, who you are.
5: Okay, I uh, let me tell you who I am. I was. Uh, was an electrician with this district for more than 34 years. I've been retired for three and a half years. I uh, yeah, During that time, um, I actually worked in McKenzie as well. I was there for eight years doing maintenance on the schools up there. Okay. Back when there was five schools. Um, I've been back down here. I worked as a union president for QPU Local 4991 for 10 years. Uh, during that time, I was involved in a lot of the committee stuff. I did provincial bargaining. We did bargaining here. Okay. And uh, that's... I my my kids aren't in school anymore they're older yeah so but i have grandkids in the system um five six of them okay. in the system here so
1: okay all right so uh, i've been asking um the candidates uh the questions from the my fellow cl- mm-hmm. political panelists so um what what skills do you bring to the table to make things better and maybe let's first begin what do you think is better like what are some of the issues that have made you run
5: well experience i like I said, I worked for the district for a long time. I've got experience being an employee. Um, being the union president gave me, you know, I'm quite familiar with the board and how, how the board works. Mm-hmm. Um, I've, I've sat across the table from BCPC doing the provincial bargaining. Um, I've been on a lot of the uh, local committees and even served on the selection committee for two of the assistant superintendents. Okay. Uh, just before I retired, of course. But.
1: Yes. So what made you take the jump into into running for, for candidacy for the school board? I-
5: I think I can bring a, a different outlook to it. I'm not an educator. I'm not uh, being part of the process for a while. I'm a tradesperson. I have a different take on things. Um, that's, that's, I think I can make a bit of a difference. I'm not coming in there to, to change the world. That can't be done. It, it, A school board is a a team, a team of people with different ideas that come together for the common cause. Mm -hmm. And that's what I'd like to be part of.
1: Well, and actually you've identified something that I think is a real mistake that sometimes prevents people from running for the school board. And that is, well, they think, oh, well, I have to be an educator. And it's like, well, no, you don't. You have to be an interested member of the community.
5: That's correct. I believe that. And every board, any board, whether it's public or private, the more diversity is on that board, I think the better it can operate. Yes, because they're seeing things from all different angles.
1: Exactly. Yeah. There's um. That's that's a really good point. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Thank you. Okay. Um. One question. I mean, with, I mean, as you know, the school district has a special advisory advisor there, mm-hmm. uh, governing right now. And but I mean, eventually that's going to end. Um. And I'm sure you've seen some of the issues that you were concerned about, and you also know that. School boards have. I mean, there are some decisions that they make, but when you, when you disagree with what the uh the Ministry of Education wants to do, or let's say in terms of balance, sometimes I think it seems like senior admin has more power almost than the school board does. How do you plan to speak to, to
5: power? Like
1: when when there's disagreement, like what is your
5: thoughts? Well, on? speaking to power, I think you're talking about how does how does a board speak to the provincial government? To get well, to well
1: so. mostly yes, yeah. I
5: think it. You'll have more power speaking to them if the boards get together and go as a whole. Up to Sixty school districts to get together because most of them have the same issues. So if they get together, talk to the minister and say, you know, we we need this done, or, or we need this. We need more of this. We need less of this. Go on mass to the minister and and have it done that way. One board going to the minister doesn't have a lot of weight
1: ah spoken like a true union man <laughs> the power of people together right
5: absolutely, absolutely.
1: <laughs> i like that okay all right um so what about with senior admin you've got like as i was t- talking to shannon mm-hmm. and my and the other candidates um the the special report that came out identified uh systemic racism racism as a problem that has been happening for many years um, so we've had two trustees resign, which has resulted in this by-election. How do you um, how do you deal with that when you've got? How do you begin to make change when you've got the same sort of people still working in senior admin?
5: Well, like I said, I, I worked in schools for thirty or thirty-four years, and mm-hmm. I never seen the racism that's being expressed now. I didn't mm-hmm. see the, the kids being bullied or 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 beat up or calling being called names. I just didn't see it. Um, I think that the special advisor's report has brought to light what's going on. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know that everybody knew how systemic it actually was, um, and now it's being brought to light, and the board can now start to deal with it. Okay. Now, as far as the trustees resigning, um, i you'd have to talk to them. I don't know what their yeah. what their reasons are or their issues are. It's it's unfortunate, but it's happened, and I think there's a lot of wide eyes mm-hmm. in the boardroom and at the school district office now.
1: Okay. All right. So um, the other, uh, the third question I had from from our panelists was, um, how do you how do you deal with um, the feeling of political correctness, especially when you're having to deal with difficult issues? And if people won't speak their mind, if people feel constrained by, oh my goodness, I might say the wrong thing and I might be ostracized, and you know, how do you deal with that?
5: Well, that's got... To come back to respect in 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 the boardroom or in a meeting room, and people have respect and just because I say something. I'm not trying to be disrespectful, but it could come across as 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 being racist or sexist, and it's maybe not meant that way. Not everybody is uh, a politician, so <laughs> when they're when they're trying to get something across, it may sound off. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think when you do or not that, politically correct, or not politically correct. That's right, and you, you should you should have. Some open-mindedness, and not be jumping up and saying, "You know, I'm offended by this. I'm offended by that." Uh, the whole world is offended by everything nowadays, and it should give a person a little leeway. Like I said, not everybody is a polished politician.
1: Oh, that's a good point. So, what is your main focus that you that that you hope to change? Like something that you think that you, Brian Trotter, as yeah. particularly. Would like to see change.
5: Uh, The communication between all all stakeholder groups needs to be better. I I feel that a lot of in the in the past, everything's played out in social media, in the newspaper. Um, The communication needs to be there, and if people need the questions answered, they need the questions answered. Um, I'll be asking a question. I don't have questions to really answer. There's a couple things I'd like to find out, but that's about it. But I also would like to see the proof. I don't want. Say a school wants to paint the staff room green and the board says, no, you can't because staff rooms have to be blue. Mm-hmm. Well, I want to see where it's written down <laughs> that, that that's in fact the truth mm-hmm. and see the evidence and not just the hearsay from, from people in the past.
1: Okay. All right. So we're coming up. We need to take a break. Is this okay, Stephen? All right. Okay, we'll take a break and we'll be back with Brian Trotter.
3: Teen Art Showcase 2022 is set for March at your public library. Culminating with an awards reception in the Keith Gordon Room on April 2nd, award categories include Best Overall, Best Original, Best Use of Materials, Social Commentary, and People's Choice. All art mediums will be accepted. For more information, email lredpath at studio2080.com. Art Showcase 2022, on for the month of March at the Prince George Public Library. Art pieces must be ready for submission on February 25th or 26th. It's never too soon or too late to make changes that will maintain or improve your brain health. Learn strategies and set goals with the Alzheimer's Society's ABC's Introduction to Brain Health. Tuesday, January 25th at the Prince George Public Library. To register, call the First Link Dementia Helpline at one 800 936 60 33. Proof of full vaccination and government ID will be required. The Alzheimer's Society of BC's Introduction to Brain Health, Tuesday, January 25th, from 2 to 4, at your Prince George Public Library. Learn the art of salsa dance the second and fourth Tuesday of each month at Amanika Art Center. This drop-in fitness class is offered by donation to ensure accessibility for all. Space is limited, open to all ages with no necessary experience, but you must have proof of vaccination. Take time for some self-care. Salsa Tuesdays, the second and fourth Tuesday evening of each month from seven to nine at Amanika Art Center, 369 Victoria Street. Leadership for virtual teams has
4: introduced non-traditional skills for the most adept organizational leaders. Skills are put to the test when striving to engage and connect with team members to perform cohesively. Learn to engage your virtual staff and volunteers with a half-day workshop from Vantage Point. Registration and full details are available through the training link at thevantagepoint.ca. Engage your virtual staff and volunteers Thursday, January 20th from 9 to noon through thevantagepoint.ca keeping you up to date on current news and events in and around Prince
0: George. This is After 9 on 93.1 CFIS-FM.
1: All right, Trudy Clausen here. I've got as my guest for the next uh, few minutes still, Brian Trotter, candidate for the School District 57 by-election. So, Brian, um, you were just talking about the uh, the uh, Delta School District mm-hmm. deciding to um, mandate vaccination, I think, for their staff. And I just want to hear you a little bit, what do you think about the provinces not mandating that across the board
5: i think it's a provincial issue it's not a a district by district issue so for our district to not have a mandate and delta have a mandate it is really sending the wrong message to everybody the province has mandated it for healthcare workers uh the province that there's going to be a mandate in school districts should come from the province not from the 60 individual districts
1: All right. Okay. So one thing that I saw um, that uh, cued me right away to when you announced your Mm -hmm. candidacy was your concern for having more apprenticeships within the school district. Mm -hmm. Um, And can you explain a little bit about that?
5: Yeah. uh, In the time I've been in the school district, we probably have only had a half a dozen apprentices. Um, Oh. Maybe a little more. I mean, it's been a long, long time. The last apprentice that was started in the school district was 15 years ago. Uh, carpentry apprentice, and we had two other apprentices. We had a painting apprentice and a plumber, plumbing apprentice. But during the last round of cutbacks and school closures, they got laid off. So we haven't had an apprentice for 15 years. Okay, so what's... But she's still there. Like all the apprentices that started with us finished their apprenticeship and stayed till retirement. It's not like they come in and go. So,
1: so what's the problem with that?
5: Like... Uh, I don't know.
1: <laughs> no, no, I mean the, um, <laughs> What's the loss to the district? Well, when I
5: retired, four of us, four electricians retired within a year and a half. So that's uh, 140 years of experience that we weren't able to impart on anybody, mm-hmm. which is really, it's not good. So oh. instead of starting our own apprentices, the school district goes and, and hires journey people, journey persons from uh, industry who has trained them. And... Instead of training our own people, we go and hire people. And it's a great employer. It's a great place to work. It's uh, but I think we should be training our own people to do the job.
1: And in like, okay, so what I'm sort of getting from you is that we need to be contributing uh, like as an employer, as a district employer, we should also be contributing not only to our own. I mean, to the students, but also to. Our wider community as well, because I'm imagining if you apprentice somebody, there is a chance that they would go and work for industry. But that's the same thing that you're doing right now, right? Mm-hmm. You're hiring from industry. That's <laughs> so, right. That's so, right. Yeah. So, do you think that would be like, would that help with an attitude change, like just in, in terms of seeing yourselves as part of the community, maybe more?
5: Possibly, but a school district is a an educational facility. Mm-hmm. Why aren't we educating our own tradespeople? But that, that, that well, that's a, not something for for the board, you know. The, the board does the other stuff, not the day to day operation of the. Yes, of the but district.
1: who who hires the uh, who decides that? Well, that'd be the general manager of maintenance. Okay, so that's it's that that's the chain of command. They're coming yeah. from the superintendent down, that's right? right. It's that's the right. decision making there. Mm-hmm. Okay, all right. Um,
5: now I've presented this to the board, three different boards, about the uh, lack of apprenticeship training in, in the district. Oh, okay, and. Uh,
1: Nothing happened. No,
5: no, because the decision is made at you know in, yes. in the maintenance department. It's not yep. made by but, the board or or the superintendent.
1: Okay, all right. So, um, uh, you said you had some kids still in the system. So, grandkids, yeah, grandkids, yes. Uh, so, what are what are some of the concerns that your? I guess this would be your kids. What are some of the concerns that you're seeing f- through them
5: from just general things in the schools? I haven't heard much from them about. They're all quite happy in, in the schools. Two of them are in high school in Dutchess Park mm-hmm. and four of them are still in elementary school. And they, uh, they're getting along fine.
1: Okay. All right. As you've been uh, talking to people, I mean, it's hard during COVID, <laughs> but maybe. But uh, so, how are you? How are people reaching out to you? And and have you got a Facebook page or a website? I or have anything? a
5: Facebook page. It's uh, Brian Trotter for School Trustee. Uh-huh. It's been up since about for a month. Yeah. It'll probably come down on Sunday or Monday.
1: Yeah. <laughs> okay. And what kind of concerns are people bringing to your attention? I've had a lot
5: of concerns. Uh, mostly, I've been, uh, it's been the media reaching out to me.
1: Okay. To speak yep.
5: to, I've spoken to the DPAC. Chair, okay. She has a couple of concerns um, that I'd like to look into when, if, if I'm elected.
1: Yeah. Yeah, one thing that I heard uh, from that um, often doesn't get addressed because, you know, maybe the numbers aren't that huge. But um, when I was running for school trustee a few years ago, mm-hmm. was for gifted students. We don't have any background prob- no, programs. No, uh, What? How do you feel about that?
5: I well, it's it's being addressed in the. Um, the strategic plan for the gifted children, the, the, the other special communities in, 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 the school district. So, and it's quite a in-depth strategic so plan. So do you
1: think those plans will come back then? Are those programs?
5: I don't know if they'll come back, uh, per se, but I think it'll, there will be programs in place for marginalized people, for, okay. for the, the, uh, gifted children. Okay. All
1: right. Okay. Well, um, so is there anything else that you had thought about that you'd like to talk about?
5: No, not really. The questions are good.
1: Okay. (laughs) All right. Well, um, so um, have you got any connections with the folks running in McKenzie?
5: No, I don't know them.
1: Okay, because, uh, yeah, there's there's that by-election happening Mm -hmm. in McKenzie as well.
5: Yeah, I haven't lived there since 1992. I went up there in 1984. Mm-hmm. came back in 92.
1: All right. And uh so do you know anything about the results for advanced voting like how many people have actually come out to to vote? Do you are you ke- kept no, informed I, I, of that? I, no.
5: The first day a week ago I think there was just under 100. Mm-hmm. But the last one on Tuesday I, I don't know.
1: Okay. Yeah. Yeah, so cuz the bi- the by-election is happening this Saturday.
5: Mm-hmm.
1: Uh do you know the schools off by heart where people are voting?
5: Uh no, uh Glenview is one, uh Van Dien. Um Pine... Pineview. View? Yep. Malaspina. And Malaspina. And that's all the ones I know.
1: Yes, I think it's those five, right? So Glenview, Malaspina, Pineview, Van Bien. Bien, and... Uh, is there another one? Steve? <laughs> I think there is. <laughs> well, I'm sure there is. Yeah, or maybe it is just the four. But anyway, well, so that... Well, go there's got
5: to be one in the heart, or that... That's Glenview. Glenview, right? Yep. Yep. Yep.
1: All right. Well, I really appreciate you coming in, Brian.
5: Well thanks for having me. Uh, I appreciate it.
1: Thank you very much for coming in. And uh so remember voting day is this Saturday from eight to eight at those schools. You already voted. Oh good Good for you. So how was that? (laughs) Looking at your own name. It was quick.
5: (laughs) All right. I didn't say voted for myself though.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Okay, well thank you so much. And we'll come we'll come back and we'll be talking to Audrey McKinnon. Okay.
2: Life Sciences BC is hosting their third annual Career Connect Day, Friday, January 21st. This full-day event will help connect life sciences companies and organizations from across the sector with university and college students and STEM job seekers. For full details and to register, click on the Career Connect Day link through the events calendar at lifesciencesbc.ca. It's Life Sciences BC's third annual Career Connect Day, Friday, January 21st, from 9 to 5, presented by BioTalent Canada through Excel Events.
4: School District 57 has issued a notice of election by voting for the Prince George Trustee Electoral Area. General Voting Day will be open to qualified electors on Saturday from 8 to 8 at Glenview, Heritage, Malaspina and Pineview Elementary Schools, as well as Van Bien Training Center. There is no need to pre-register, but you will be required to produce two pieces of identification as proof of residency and identity. Full details of the School District 57 by-election process and rules are available at sd57.bc.ca.
1: The BC Schizophrenia Society has launched its Cannabis and Mental Health video. The video centers around questions regularly asked by youth across the province about cannabis, including the impact of cannabis on the brain and how it may affect those at risk of developing a serious mental illness. Visit bcss.org to watch the Cannabis and Mental Illness video. Go through the resources and find out how you can help share this information with the youth in your life.
3: Forecast from Environment Canada for today. Overcast, wind from the south at 30K gusting to 50, a high of 4. Tonight, cloudy, clearing after midnight, gusting south winds continuing, a low of 3. On Saturday, mainly sunny, more gusting south winds, and a high again of 4.
0: It's after 9 on Prince George's Community Station, 93.1
1: CFIS-FM. Good morning. So, uh, we are, we've got our last candidate on the line, uh, for the School District 57 by-election here in Prince George. Welcome Audrey McKinnon. Hi, Trudy. Hi. So, we, we may never meet. <laughs> <laughs> Yes, I uh, unfortunately
6: wasn't able to come into studio today. Oh, so, so yeah. ill and uh, just recovering at home. So,
1: well, I'm glad to hear you're well and well enough to uh, be talking to us. It's I, yeah, of course. <laughs> this is an inside <laughs> joke. We've tried to meet a few times, and it's like every time something comes up. I
6: know it is. It has been a challenge to get together. with you. <laughs> I think whenever we find the moment, we should grasp the opportunity and make it happen. <laughs> yes,
1: yes. Um, every once in a while, I think I see her, and it's like I'm not sure if that's her, and then I. You know, uh, anyway, anyway, welcome, <laughs> welcome, Audrey. Thanks for coming on. Um, so I'm gonna ask you a little bit about yourself first. so what can you what do you want to share? Oh, there's
6: I, I never know where to start with that question. there's <laughs> a lot to tell you about myself. um i'm a, am a parent of a, a student in, in school district fifty seven. Um, my son goes to one of the awesome schools here. Um I'm also a communications. Specialist um, at the BC Financial Services Authority, and I've worked at a few different institutions in Prince George as well. And a lot of people probably know me from uh, when I was uh, a journalist and broadcaster at CBC Radio. Um, I mean,
1: that's a, that's a basic
5: rundown, that's but I can I tell I you anything from. you want to know
6: about me if
1: you've got specific questions. Okay, so you're not doing the broadcasting with CBC anymore? Uh, no, I left CBC about three years ago. Okay, well, that yeah. explains it because I was like, it's her. No, it's not. It's her. Okay, well, that very uh, good. yes. <laughs> okay, so, um, all right, so then I'm going to ask you one of the, like, so I had four questions from my fellow political panelists here okay. at CFIS. And so my first question is um, from one of them is what brings, what do you bring to the table specifically to Im- make improvements?
6: What do I bring to the table to sco- to the school board to yes. make improvements? Yes. Um, well, for one, you know, as a parent, I bring that perspective, and I think that's really important. Um, I know what it feels like to have a kid in the school district right now, um, and some of the, the really great things about that, but also some of the challenges, and um, I think that's the other thing that I bring uh, to the school board is, um, you know, with my background as a journalist and my personality the kind of person that I am, um, I always look a challenge in the face. Um, I always go straight for straight for the problem and, and look for solutions. I'm, I'm somebody who is able to listen to a lot of people, understand a lot of different perspectives, and try to put those all together to come up with some kind of solution that's going to get to the root uh, solutions. So um, some of the ways I want to apply that are, um, you know, when we look at the issues of systemic racism that we saw come out from the special advisors report, Um, and also, you know, addressing things like transparency in the school district, because as a parent, I really don't feel informed. Um, and I, I, I recognize that a lot of parents are feeling that way as well. And I want to make sure that, um, parents are informed about what kind of education their their children are getting, how safe schools are, um, you know, what the current situation is and, and able to make proactive decisions about, um, you know, sending their kids to school and, um. And,
1: and things like that. Hmm. Okay. So, uh, just speaking of the special or the the report uh, yeah. that found systemic racism, how do you like? And this is a question that I've asked most of the candidates. Um, and I haven't framed them all the same way, but um, yeah. how do you how do you plan to deal with that? Like, because what we have here is we have two trustees who resigned because of that report, yeah. um, the, because of the findings. But we have. Um, we have the same senior admin uh, in place that were there when all of this stuff happened. Mm-hmm. Um, so what do you think is the sense uh, among men, and, and how can you change something that needs to change when you're dealing with the same people?
6: Um, we definitely need to have some, some strong voices in there. And I think, um, you know, Trent and Chereau has offered a lot to the conversation um, and I'm, I'm sad to see them, them go. But I think uh, my understanding of the resignation was not just because of the report, but um, because of, uh, you know, what the report indicates mm-hmm. and what they're already experiencing, which is, is racism within that environment. Mm-hmm. Um, systemic racism, as far as we can tell from that report um, and, you know, from these resignations, it, it goes all the way down the chain. Mm-hmm. And, and I've seen this as well. Um, my son is racialized. Um, and and he's experienced racism throughout his education since he started kindergarten.
1: So how do you um, how do you change that?
6: Yeah, <laughs> I'm getting to that. Um, so first of all, that report comes has a number of recommendations that we need to prioritize. Um, And we need to make sure that we're not burying this. We're not putting it as a, you know, last minute thing or only doing it piecemeal. We need to make sure that we're looking at every single aspect of those recommendations and putting those in place. It's a really high priority. I know personally what it means when somebody, a, a child is going to school and they're not getting or they're facing racism in their day to day life. Um, and I know that that can impact people along the way throughout. But if you've got staff in the school district, if you have members of the board who are experiencing it, um, and and we have 30% of our students, and really that's the crux of it, 30% of our students are Indigenous. Um, and, and we can see in the learning outcomes that they're also struggling with it. So to be specific, um, some of the ones that I think are really important to pull out are creating policies that align with DRIPA, uh, more frequent accountability and evaluation measures. Um, an annual publicly available report on Indigenous learning and education because part of this is also understanding the issue regularly and making sure that we are really transparent about that and um, we know what are the learning outcomes right now. Mm-hmm. How, how how are we advancing and where are we falling short? Because we need to be able to look at all of those things in order to decide what the next steps are to resolve them. Yes. The other part of that is, it, sorry, there's so much to say about this, but the other part of that is also building stronger relationships with Um, with the First Nations, with the rights holders of of the school district. Um, So so I think that's something that really needs to be worked on and that was also pointed out in that special advisors report.
1: So we know that the graduation rates for Indigenous students are significantly lower than for for the rest of the student population. Yeah. Um, how do you how do you begin to address that i know that the the school has made like i think very slight progress on that i think it's like one or 2% per year difference yeah um how do you change that how do you yeah, improve those I mean, rates
6: like like i said we need we need to follow through on these recommendations from the special advisors report to begin with
1: mm-hmm.
6: um but you know i've i've been speaking with with stakeholders throughout the, the election as well and um we need to be able to to do things like say what's happening with the spending on Indigenous education funding. Um, there, there's a large quantity that wasn't spent in the mm-hmm. last year. I, I want answers to that, and I think that um, the First Nations deserve answers to, to what's happening with the funding, why those, those that funding isn't being spent the way that it should be. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and it's something that they've called for as well. They've called for a forensic audit on the, the Indigenous education funding in School District 57, um, and that's something that I'd be advocating for as well. I think we start with, I, I always start with information.
1: Mm-hmm. Let's
6: let's get a proper lay of the land. Let's talk to the right people. Let's make sure that we're really having conversations in good faith with um, the First Nations. Um, and let's, let's get all the information out where it needs to be, uh, in the public, in the hands of the people who need that inf- information, in the hands of the First Nations, so that we can then start talking about solutions based on the problem that is actually in front of
1: us. Mm-hmm. So, how do you deal with that? How, do, how how can you make that happen when you have pretty much the same existing staff? How can you make which happen the the, the those, uh, those changes? How how you, you know? What, let's how about uh, what we'll do is we'll come back with that question. Um, okay. How do you make those changes? How do you begin to improve the whole issue around um, the findings of the advisors' report? Um, when you've got the same kind of staff, and and how do you make that change happen, that cultural shift? So we'll be back. I'm talking with Audrey McKinnon. We're going to take a short break, and uh, we'll be back.
4: Theatre Northwest will be returning to the stage for the 2021-22 season with a play based on a women's hockey team from the 1930s. Glory by Tracy Power is the story of the Preston Rivulets, with several of the on-ice scenes set to swing music tunes from the era. It's a piece of Canadian history few are aware of. Glory is on stage at Theatre Northwest in the Park Hill
3: Centre from February 4th to February 23rd, health orders permitting. Tickets for Glory, presented by Theatre Northwest, are now available through theaternorthwest.com.
4: The entire family is affected when a parent or child has a mental illness or substance use problem. The latest issue of Visions asks, how can family-centered care support everyone? Visions is a collaborative journal published quarterly by the B.C. Partners in Mental Health and Substance Use Information and funded by B.C. Mental Health and Substance Use Services. To read the latest edition of the Visions journal, visit the B.C. Schizophrenia Society's website
3: at bcss.org. The next Pro-D Day Camp at Two Rivers Gallery is New Year, New Perspective, Monday, January 31st. Participating children grades 1 through 7 will work with clay, ink, and collage, focusing on how perspectives change art and our minds registration is required with a cost of $44. Members receive a 10% discount. That's New Year, New Perspective, the next pro Day Camp, Monday, January 31st at Two Rivers Gallery, where creativity flows in the Canada Games Plaza.
4: Is it possible that our ears can no longer hear? An upcoming exhibit at Two Rivers Gallery investigates the often-overlooked role of sound within social relations of power. The Politics of Sound is on from January 20th to April 10th and expands the understanding of how sound has varying material effects within society. Watch for The Politics of Sound January 20th through April 10th at Two Rivers Gallery, where creativity flows in the Canada Games Plaza. Featuring the people who make things
0: happen in Prince George, you're listening to After 9 on 93.1 CFIS-FM.
1: All right, Trudy Claussen here. I am speaking with the fifth and final candidate for the School District 57 by-election here in Prince George. Uh, so uh, before we went to break, Audrey, we were just, uh, I was just asking you sort of, I think it's sort of, it's a difficult question. I mean, I don't know quite how to, I wouldn't know quite how to answer it, but how do you, how do you get... Um, a systemic change, which is yes. what you need, yeah. um, when you are dealing with the same people that have been there for twenty, thirty years, uh, mm-hmm. in, in many cases, like especially, uh, like in uh, admin.
6: Yes, and I, I hear your question too. As you know, we're it's a by-election for you know two seats, um, and not, and other than that, nothing changes. All the entire makeup is the same. So, you know, why would anybody change anything based on you know two people's voices coming in? <laughs> um, but um, hey it's an uphill battle and I'm used to those so um, no I think it's about facilitating discussion and and bringing new ideas to the table and the way that I look at any problem especially the most challenging ones is like I said information first but then I look for what barriers are getting in the way so I always go into something with the belief that um, and the assumption that. Um, the people who are, you know, running things or, or doing whatever, they're they're doing it from, you know, a place of of wanting to do what's best, um, and and for some reason something's getting in the way of that happening, um, mm-hmm. and you know that's that's a fact. That's that's based on that special advisor's report. So I can confidently say, you know, something's not working here. Um, so I I think it would be about just getting in there and and bringing some new perspectives. Um, asking the right questions. What mm-hmm. is getting in the way of you doing this? Why, why, why is there any resistance to this idea? Or what kind of barriers are are, are, are blocking you from, from moving forward on this? And let's remove those barriers.
1: All right. So along with that, then how do you... So one of, my, one of the questions that the panelists had was the specter of political correctness and you can frame it any way right you can also claim frame it as people are afraid to say what they think because they're going to be slammed for not saying the right thing or oh my goodness you're that's so offensive like how do you welcome how do you get people to get past that fear and let them know that you're actually really interested in what they have to say regardless of them saying it maybe not quite right
6: yeah relationship building um, you know, I've had lots of difficult conversations with people where, you know, somebody's even said something that's flat-out racist to me, and, and I've been able to to have that conversation and say, um, you know, I get that what you just said probably came from a place of, of goodness for you, but the way that it came across is not. And I think it's really just about conversation and dialogue, and um, you were all people, we're all human beings, and we're fallible, um, we don't always get things right. Um, and, and I'm the same way too. I'm not perfect. Um, you know, some of, especially perspectives that I held, uh you know, 10 years back, um, aren't, aren't the same perspectives that I hold now. So, um, I, I really just think it's about relationship building,
2: mm-hmm.
6: um, and, and seeing people as, as human beings, um, even if they're taking a perspective that, you know, maybe isn't conducive to, um, you know, you know, what I see is doing the right thing. What I know is doing the right thing, I'm, I'm going to be confident about that because I know the right thing is to make sure that all um, students in School District 57 have equitable access to education. That is the tenet of, of public education. So, um, you know, whatever we need to do to have those kinds of conversations and break down those barriers... Um, even if it's somebody being worried about about having a conversation with somebody who's going to hold them accountable, um, you know, I'm not going to go in like a, you know, bulldozer, <laughs> um, and and I think there's a lot of value in in just having having conversations and, and taking your time with people to to understand their perspective and and finding a way to to get onto the same page from there.
1: All right. So um, another question was, how do you plan to speak to power and? Um I mean that includes the Ministry of Education, but also yeah. I think I like it, I often got a little bit the sense that that there's a bit of an imbal- imbalance of power between the school board and senior admin. So how do you plan to um, address those those issues, and how do you plan to speak to the Ministry of Ed um, right. or you know senior admin when you see that hey wait a minute things are not going the way we wanted yeah. them to. Well,
6: um, I mean, if if you know me at all from from following me on <laughs> social media or uh, personally or professionally, you know that uh, you know I'm direct, I'm honest, and and I, I say what I mean, um, and and. The role of the board is to hold the the administration accountable. So, um, and and to to draw that bridge between administration and, and the students, and to make sure the accountability is to the students at the end of the day. The the board is a, a bridge for that. Um, so, you know, if as long as I keep that focus in mind that this is about the students, I've got no fear mm-hmm. about about saying what's on my mind and making sure that we're we're asking for, for what's needed or calling for what's needed um, or, you know, setting policies in place for the administration um, that are going to, to help hold them accountable. Because I think a lot of the problem is that those structures aren't in place to begin with,
5: mm-hmm.
6: um, the, the correct structures to, to hold them in, in, in account. So we need to put those structures in place. Um, and, and, uh, and I think that goes all the way through. It, it's from, you know, communications policies um, to, you know, funding. And, and there's a lot of things that we need to look at and say, okay, how are we actually, um, you know, making sure that we've got something in place so we're not trying to do this from scratch every time and not kind of piecemeal handling these issues. Mm-hmm. Um, let's, let's pick a direction and, and, and let, let everybody know what it is because I think that helps. That can be helpful for the administration as well when they know that, um, you know, this is the goal. I think that that really pushes people to or drives people to do better by doing that. Um, so I think there's a number of different levers we can pull. Um, and in communicating with, with the Ministry of Education, Um, there's a lot of advocacy that needs to happen there as well and making sure that that students' voices are heard, um, that the needs of this school district are understood because it's very different here than it is down south. Um, And, um, you know, I'm I'm a communicator. I'm a journalist. I know how to to get my point across and how to express what, what needs to be expressed, how to tell a story, how to make sure that Um, that it's understood when I'm saying it um, or communicating it. And I think that's, that's a huge asset to the school board.
1: All right. So we have 30 seconds. What's, I had forgotten to ask my other guests today. uh, What's your most favorite or most influential book? (laughs)
6: <laughs> oh my goodness, you asked me that at the very last minute. I'm not sure what to say. Uh, oh, oh. oh, you know what? I read a really great book recently, The Break by Katerina Vermette, and I recommend it to anybody. It was an excellent book. It was on Canada Reads uh, at, for CBC a few years back.
1: Awesome. Good. Ca- <laughs> well done. <laughs> okay. All right. Well, um, so. What era? <laughs> oh, <laughs> what era would you like to live in? If what you...
6: era would I like to live in? Yeah. Oh my goodness! Wow, these questions are
1: great. <laughs> um, okay, I feel like I need like thirty minutes to think about this. <laughs> I know, you know, but the 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 guy, the people yesterday all said sixties, and it's like, oh my goodness, you know, I wasn't Everybody even born said the 60s? then. Yeah,
6: I've, you know what? I've been really, I've been really into the thirties lately because my friend is is um, having a birthday party, and I honestly, am not, not sure if it's going to happen with Omicron, but um, we're doing. They were supposed to be doing a murder mystery set in the thirties, and so I was looking at all. the the fashion and the clothes and stuff, and I think the 30s would have been a very interesting era to
1: live in. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Well, thank you so much, Audrey, Um, and uh, best of luck on Saturday. And just a reminder to all of our listeners, the uh, voting places are Heritage Elementary, Glenview Elementary, Malaspina, Pineview, and Van Bien. Uh, Thank you for joining me. We'll be back next week.
0: For- After Nine is a daily presentation of CFISFM. After Nine is produced by Alan Wishart, Echo Wiley, Trudy Claussen, and Rez Krebs. Executive producer is Reg Fair with technical assistance from Stephen Smith. Additional contributors include CBC News and the National Campus and Community Radio Association. Theme music is by The Ebbs. For a rebroadcast of today's program, check out the podcast link at cfisfm.ca. To provide feedback or suggestions for the show, please email cfisfm at yahoo.
3: You're listening to CFISFM fm Prince George, a not-for-profit,